thanks for joining Simply Successful with Sadia Sindhu, and I am your host, Sadia Sindhu. Today, in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, in order to increase awareness, I have brought a specialist to discuss the very important, this very important topic, Dr. Lara Zuberi. Let me share with you a little bit about Dr. Zuberi. She is a board-certified, fellowship-trained hematologist-oncologist who specializes in breast cancer and stays up on the latest research and cl clinical trials in her field. Dr. Zuberi enjoys establishing a deep connection with her patients and bringing her clinical acumen and compassion to work every day. Hi, Dr. Zuberi. Hi, thank you for having me. So tell us, tell us a little about yourself and your practice. So uh, thank you for the introduction. Um, so I am a medical oncologist and hematologist, uh, but I kind of uh, early on in my training realized that breast cancer was my passion. And so I decided to focus on breast cancer. So I am doing almost exclusively breast cancer now um, at MD Anderson Baptist. Mm -hmm. And um, I work with a multidisciplinary team of uh, medical oncologists, radiation oncologists, pathologists, radiologists, and surgeons. So all of us are very passionate about breast cancer and um, that's what we do. We take care of patients with this diagnosis and uh, get most of them to a cure, which is which is great and very fulfilling. Right, yeah. Um, well, so we are in the, you know, in October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, you know, let's just dive right into the big question. What is your number one advice you would give women on this month or, you know, probably for the entire year? So the number one thing is breast cancer is very common. So one in eight women will get it in their lifetime wow. in the U.S. Um, and so that translates into a 12, 13% lifetime risk, which is high. And so um, don't think that it can't be me. Um, you want to find it and catch it early. Uh, many times mammograms are, uh, they're life-saving, really. So you can find cancers at state zero uh, you can find high-risk uh, kind of diagnoses before they even turn into cancer, or you can find them at stage zero, which is our in-situ cancers. And then even if you find it at stage one or two uh, or even three, um, those are all still curable stages. Um, and so definitely you want to find it as early as possible. So mammogram has a huge role in detecting. Certainly mammograms can miss about 10% of cancers. So if you feel something, even if your mammogram is negative, um, make sure that that's something that's brought to attention. If you are younger than 40 and you're not in the screening age group of uh, having mammograms yet, uh, then any uh, lump should still make you seek attention uh, with your uh, physician so that it can be worked up because we do see patients younger than 40 also get cancer, though it's not as common. You've talked about diagnosis. How has the age of diagnosis changed since you have started practice? So definitely we are seeing more breast cancer. We are seeing it in younger uh, women. So we still see a lot more in older women. 
but the number of young women diagnosed with breast cancer has gone up. And so there are multiple kind of contributing factors. Some of it is, um, of course, diagnosis and more awareness, which is a good thing. So we are finding a lot of earlier stage cancers as well. But there's also some changes in reproductive patterns. So for example, people are having less children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're having less children than we used to. We're also having children at later ages than we used to. So if uh, age at, so age at first pregnancy is actually, uh, you know, an important contributing factor. So that age is more than 25, which it is for, for most working women these days. Um, that itself increases the risk. So uh, there are multiple factors that are contributing to this um, kind of change in, in pattern. What about, sometimes people talk about environmental factors. Yes, so there has been kind of more, um, more studies that have pretty clearly shown the benefits of exercise. So there is a clear benefit of exercise, a clear benefit of maintaining an ideal body weight and a clear benefit in decreasing amount of alcohol consumption. And some, although smaller, contribution of uh, smoking also increasing the risk. So, and these are things that are in, in our control and so definitely encouraging um, you know, our patients, so survivors as well as people who've never had cancer to prevent. So to prevent first cancer and also to prevent another cancer and somebody's had already had uh, that. Um, so those things are environmental contributions. So if uh, um, women who exercise at least five times a week, um, 30 minutes a day, their their risk is lower. So that is one. And then of course there's um, estrogen because there are most of the breast cancers are uh, hormone driven, and so use of oral contraceptives uh, for a prolonged period of time can increase the risk slightly not a whole lot but slightly mm-hmm. and then but the estrogen that is used as hormone replacement therapy in the postmenopausal age group um, that does increase the risk of breast cancer um, it helps with other things like reducing hot flashes and it, it does uh, have some other effects but it, it does increase the risk of breast as well as uh, of uterine cancer and this is uh, also been uh, kind of eye-opening because some years ago there was a big push to do hormone replacement therapy in, in women who went through menopause, but uh, most of the medical community has kind of uh, drifted away from that for this reason. So when discussing age, you brought up age, um, in your practice, what is the, you know, what was the age of the youngest to the oldest patient that that you um, saw and were, you know, had a cancer diagnosed? So I think, so yesterday uh, I saw a patient who is 29. I think she's my youngest right now. I have wow. had a 27-year-old, I think, as my youngest. And my oldest is, uh, I just saw, uh, earlier this morning is uh, 88 so it can happen at any age really um, and we do recommend another uh, kind of word about mammography is that there's no uh, upper limits to stop 
mammograms. So as long as somebody is reasonable, it's in reasonable health. I mean, if they're not like bed bound from, you know, Alzheimer's or, you know, from like our oxygen dependent from end stage emphysema or something like that. So they're reasonably healthy and functional. Um, the screening mammography should continue and it should continue on a yearly basis. So what is the recommended age when women generally start uh, having mammograms? And then can you also, uh, you know, tell us about the age uh, if there is a history of cancer in the family? Yes, so that's very important uh, that we start screening at 40 for people without any known risks. So uh, no family history and no uh, increased risks uh, you know, 40 is the recommended age, and it should be done at, at every year. So during this COVID pandemic, a lot of people delayed their mammograms, and we did see kind right. of a surge of, of, like, cancers, you know, that were stage two, and, you know, we would have probably caught them at stage one if they hadn't missed that one mammogram, and that can mean a difference between receiving chemotherapy, not receiving chemotherapy, uh, long-term outcomes, lymph node involvement. It really makes a difference um and so we do recommend every year uh some so you know there's been some talk about you know delaying the age to like 50. if we did that we would miss a lot of cancers because mm -hmm. 40 to 50 age group we'd see a, a ton of cancers um in europe you know they're a little bit different i think they're doing 45 um but really in the u.s 40 is the recommended age and it's every year. If there's a, a family history in first degree relatives, so if someone's mother, sister, um, you know, had breast cancer, uh, then you want to start early. And typically, you want to start several years before that family member was diagnosed. So if there's a family member who was diagnosed at age 40, then you want to start um, at 30. For screening and the screening sometimes can also include MRIs and uh, and and sometimes it helps to actually see somebody in the breast oncology department uh, whether it's medical oncology surgical oncology or combination because some people uh, if they have a high calculated risk uh, there's something called the TC score which calculates somebody's lifetime risk of breast cancer and if that risk is high enough then there should be a discussion about uh, preventive measures or, or for example, genetic testing, because that can actually prevent a cancer in the first place. Right. If you've had history with, you know, your mom or your grandmother or your aunt, that, I mean, you recommend getting that test. Yes. So how would you say, uh, you know, breast cancer research has changed? You know, how has it progressed? So it has progressed at an exponential rate, which is great. Um, so the outcomes have changed dramatically, not for all breast cancers, but really now in all the, so we, we kind of say breast cancer, you know, if you want to kind of simplistically classify it, you would classify it in four types based on whether or not they have hormone receptors that are positive based on whether or not they have the HER2 receptor positive. So you can be triple negative, triple positive, or you can have one or the other. And so 
the main progress that had been made initially was in the ER positive subgroup. And then following that, we saw a surge of a lot of new, you know, treatments, medications, and early and late stage in the HER2 positive subgroup because the HER2 positives were the ones that tended to be very aggressive, had a high rate of, you know, early mortality and just, you know, spreading, becoming stage four, all of that. But then our treatments became so effective that actually patients with HER2 positive disease are doing very well uh, now. Um, and then what's lagged behind the most is the triple negative, where we really were struggling uh, to find treatments that would really change the outcome. But just recently, um, actually, uh, within the last year, last year two, um, we've had uh, significant progress even in the triple negative subgroup. So we're, this is an exciting time to be, uh, you know, in breast oncology because we are seeing a lot of new recommendations. The guidelines change um, pretty fast. And so it's important to be, um, you know, for patients to uh, make sure that they seek treatment at a place where there is a multidisciplinary tumor board, um, you know, like we have a tumor board that we meet uh, once a week and we discuss every, so every new cancer diagnosis, breast cancer diagnosis gets discussed in our weekly tumor board meeting, um, which runs about two hours. So uh, wow. we discuss in detail so that our pathologists, our radiologists, everybody's there. We re review all the tests and we all come up with a, with a treatment recommendation um, because that way uh, you know, you're sure that kind of all the latest, um, you know, data is being utilized because there's lots of clinical trials coming out all the time and the guidelines are updated based on new guidelines. So the newest one that we have is for the triple negative early stage. Uh, so basically reducing, um, you know, the risk of recurrence. So our goal is, of course, to cure the cancer at the time and then to, to bring about a long-term cure so that we minimize the risk of recurrence. And so um, Keytruda, which is you, you might have seen it advertised because it's being used in a lot of other cancers as well, is kind of the newest, newest kid on the block within the breast cancer world um, where we're using it in early stage triple negative cancer. And it has uh, really, it's, it's changing the outcome. Wow, this is all really useful information. Um, so I'm going to end with this question. Um, you know, for someone who has had a recent diagnosis, what words of encouragement can you provide? You know, someone who um, is going through a lot of anxiety, a lot of emotions, you know, what, what can you say to them? Yeah, so this is very important, I think, for people to understand. Um, and, and we see this, you know, when I see a new patient, the first visit is always the hardest because nobody expects to get cancer. Um, many times the question is, you know, why me? Um, but the fact is that it's just a common, it's not uncommon, you know, it's one in eight women will get it. Good news is that it's a very curable cancer. And w like I said, the first, you know, so stage zero, through stage three is all curable. Yes, the chance of cure is gonna be higher in zero and one, but it's still very high in, in stage
stage, even stage two, you know, we, we're talking about like more than 90% patients being cured. And so it's a highly curable cancer. It is very important to remember that these cure rates um, that are coded that you will see on, you know, American Cancer Society website or, or wherever, it's all based on the assumption that you are going to get standard of care treatment or better, meaning that, you know, there's a clinical trial that ends up being a positive trial and, and you end up being on that arm of the trial. So, um, but it assumes that there's going to be a standard of care treatment. So you're going to your doctor, you're, you're taking chemotherapy, that's what's recommended for you, you're taking radiation, you're getting the surgery. If there is um, a hormone receptor positive disease, that you are taking the anti-hormone pills, you know, for five years or 10 years, um, you know, all, all of that. And then also making sure that you establish a very good, strong relationship with your treating physicians. Um, the, the kind of the longest relationship you end up have, having is with the medical oncologist because they're seeing you uh, kind of through the, the long term of, of your cancer diagnosis. And it's important to make sure that all your questions are answered at the beginning, but also throughout so that if you're having trouble with medications or you have questions or you're having side effects, those can be managed appropriately so that you are able to get to that maximum chance of cure. Um, because women are going through a lot of different things. I mean, cancer is not the only thing, you know, there's, right. you know, children and there's a job and there's a lot of juggling around. So it is very stressful and it's okay to feel stressed, you know, in the beginning um, because it's a shock. Um, but we're here to help you through it. And so, um, you know, don't feel alone. There's a lot of support groups. There's a lot of uh, the breast cancer voice is, is loud because it's a, a lot of uh, younger women. Um, so there's a lot of uh, funds that's going into research and there, it, there's constant improvement. So if you're diagnosed today, um, chances are, you know, that you are going to get a very uh, effective treatment and that we're also going to see kind of even better results um, in some years, you know, as far as like long-term outcomes and things. Because right now, the way that we know that a treatment is working, because a lot of the trials are being done in the what we call neoadjuvant setting, which means that we're doing the treatment up front and surgery after. Mm-hmm. And the benefit of that is that you can see sometimes complete responses at the time of surgery. And we know that that translates into good long-term survival and long-term outcomes. And so a lot of the, the guidelines will change based on the rates of complete response because it's kind of a surrogate marker for good long-term outcomes. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Zuberi, for all this great information. Um, you know, I think that it is so important not just in October for the entire year for, you know, women to, uh, you know, be aware of this um, and have breast breast health to be part of their self-care. Um, so I, you know, I appreciate your time and coming and sharing all this useful information with us. Thank you so much. I know this was during your uh, time in between seeing patients. And um, so thank you. Absolutely. And uh, I will just reiterate the importance of uh, mammograms and seeing your doctor and encouraging, you know, your friends and family to have mammograms. Say, okay, let's do this. Let's like five friends go together and get a mammogram, uh, you know, 
and then you can go to the mall after but you know at least uh you know have uh have that word i mean i i keep pestering my friends um you know to get mammograms and i i i have had success in most situations but not all so uh yeah just important to keep pressing and keep reminding people that this is a life-saving measure that they owe to themselves and their family i love it yeah i mean keeping each other accountable for this absolutely thank you so much um thank you guys for listening uh simply successful with sadia sindhu uh, and we will join with you guys in the future with some more great tips thanks a lot thank you thank you